Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleashed and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back. Thank you very much for tuning in once again. Uh, This week, it's just myself. I am going to take this opportunity to talk about something that I think a lot of people go through when they first get their dog. They will go go and seek advice on how to help their dog, how to train their dog, how to raise a happy and healthy dog, and they will come across generic information. And that can be really good advice there's some fantastic amazing training advice out there there's some not so good stuff but that's not the topic of today today what we're going to be talking about is before we even try to train the dog what i want people to practice doing is looking at their dog and going do i need to concentrate in this situation on helping my dog uh slow down relax, uh, show a little bit of inhibition, uh, offer less behaviours. Maybe we're seeing, like in this situation, we might be seeing like the dog expressing all of the behaviours under the sun, like hyper arousal, uh, kind of kicking in and the dog just can't settle, moving around a lot, maybe vocalising and just offering lots and lots and lots and lots of different behaviours uh, and none of them particularly ones that we might want in this context. Or is the dog offering very few behaviours? Uh, is the dog in a uncomfortable and emotional place and is reserved, uh, is withdrawn, is is showing lots of uh, a lot a lots of restraint to the point where you can tell it's not either n- not comfortable where where they are, um, or it's just a little bit confused and not sure what to do in that situation. There's a few things that come along for the ride. This the first thing is to really understand that this is situational. You know, just because we see a dog reserved or over overexcited, let's say, in another in one situation, doesn't mean that that's their personality type. It means that that's how they responded to that scenario. So being really careful with the labels and making sure that we we're, we adapt to what is actually going on as the dog changes. Like we we may need to move our parameters, our expectations and our goals of what it is we're trying to achieve. If we've got that dog going from being super reserved to now just offering all the behaviours under the sun, well, then we'd have to probably flip and switch tactics. And then there is that emotional state. Before we ever ask for any behaviours, we need to make sure that the dog is in a comfortable and emotional state. We don't want a dog that is showing all the behaviours to be coming from a place of over-arousal, hyper-arousal, frustration and stress. We want that, if if it's appropriate for them to show those behaviours and we want to see them, then we want to see them coming from a place of play and enjoyment and genuine willingness to uh, engage. And so we need to be looking at more context than just what is that, what is the dog is actually doing. But we need to look at really like what's the emotional state and why are they offering that behavior? And the same goes with asking for more slower behaviors, the more relaxed behaviors, uh, the more the more behaviors that look 
you know, more passive. Um, because a lot of the time people will, unfortunately, they'll see a dog that isn't communicating very much, maybe walking directly behind the guardian's heel, laying or sitting next to them as they ignore other dogs walking past. But sometimes uh, that dog might, well, while in one hand, it might get branded a good dog because it's, uh, you know, potentially looks like it's being very compliant or it's just generally not making uh, a nuisance of itself. Um, it might actually be in a really uncomfortable emotional state. And for me, that's that's not a success. That's, uh, that's a massive fail. The dog is doing those behaviors because it doesn't really feel comfortable enough to communicate, which is just not, that's not a recipe for a happy and healthy life and relationship with our dogs. And that's one of the main reasons why we don't use don't condone the use of punishment to suppress behavior. So I just want to go through a couple of tactics on this and around like, you know, if we've, we'll go through both scenarios. So if we've got the scenario where we've got the dog that is showing all of the behaviors, you know, it's, it's offering poor, it's running around the room, it's vocalizing, it's barking, it's, it's basically doing everything, but we want it to. Then what, what what might we do, what might we recommend to actually help show, uh, get less behavior, more calm behaviors um, from that dog in that situation? And so there's a few principles here that we'll go through. The first thing to consider is the, well, we look at the emotional place of the dog. Is the dog in a good place or a bad place? You know, is, is the dog genuinely just so happy to be there that it can't hold its shit together. That's not the worst problem in the world to have. Yes, it's not necessarily appropriate, but it's a good problem to have if we've got a dog that's just too happy in terms of how problems come and go. Um, but if not, if we've got the dog that really is uncomfortable, then that would change the approach as well. So if we've got the dog that is... Let's say, I hate this term, let's say he's just too happy. Um, you know, he's just, I don't know how to do all the things. Oh, no things. Look, slow things down and use something to redirect the dog. Uh, food, uh, calm, gentle interaction, not play interaction. Something that's going to calm that nervous system down, soothe the dog uh, there and then. Because you don't, in this situation, you don't need to remove the dog, do we? Like, the dog isn't worried about being there. It's not stressed about being there. It just hasn't quite figured out how to hold his shit together there. And this, this is why it's a good problem to have. So keeping him there and asking him to settle there doesn't mean it's easy, but it's okay to do. Because the dog doesn't is not concerned about being there. And that might, and like, when I say it's not easy, it, it really can take a while. You know, you might find that you might be offering food for two or three minutes, four or five minutes longer. And the dog's like, no, I'm, I just don't care. But we prevent access to things that are going to let it uh, escalate. So maybe we prevent access to playing with the other dog when we're using a leash, um, but, you know, or something to physically separate the dogs in that moment to prevent any further escalation. And then we're going to ride this emotional wave and so that we don't get frustration, we're going to start offering alternatives like here's some food, here's a chew, here's my attention. Because, yeah, in, as long as the dog's in that good emotional space, 
you don't want to leave him with nothing to do, but you don't, it's okay to, I guess, leave him there. Now, if that emotional state changes and that if it was never good in the first place, if it was stressed, fearful, anxious about being there in the first place, or if our attempts actually change the emotional state and we cause frustration, accidentally, of course, we don't want to do that. But uh, if we do cause frustration, which can happen, then we're going to play around with some variables. Then we're going to start to go, okay, do I need, can I, what in the environment can I control? That's what I'm looking at. What in the environment can I control? Because I can't control the dog in this point. You know, the amount of peep times we'll hear from people, well, it just doesn't listen to me. He won't take food and etc. Okay, well, don't try to. Let's control the environment around. Can we slow the, slow the distractions down? So the slower they move, the, the softer they sound, typically the less stimulating they are and the less of a distraction they come. So can we reduce the intensity of the distraction? That's one potential option. Another potential option might be distance. So if we're sitting two meters away from a really intense distraction that is causing a unwanted and desirable emotional state, well, let's, let's create distance. Can we ask them to move away? If not, let's, let's create some space ourselves. That might be increase it to five minutes. It might be increased to 10 minutes. It might be leaving and resetting and coming back later. And when I say later, it could be five minutes later. It could be a day later. It could be two days later. It could be a week, but we come back later and we set, reset up the scenario again, completely with more distance in the first place, because that would allow the dog more opportunity to succeed. And what, when I say that, what I mean by success in that situation is to remember the goal was to express karma behaviors. So distance away from the distraction typically reduces the intensity of the distraction. There's a couple of other things to bear in mind. We call these the three Ds, distance, duration, and distraction. So the distraction itself, we've talked about that. That's the intensity of the distraction. Can we adjust how intense that distraction is with the sound and the movement and speed and things like that. Can the distance. So, uh, like I said, the further away from the stressor it is, the less stressful it is. And then you've got duration. So sometimes the longer they're around the distraction, the worse it can get. So asking the dog to be around that particular distraction can really really make things kind of escalate over time. We might see the dog go through a, quite a few emotional states if the, the, if the distraction is around for an extended period of time. So, yeah, they're the variables we might we'll play with when we've got this dog that's offering all of the behaviours. Um, with the goal of really concentrating on, it's not about suppressing and stopping. It's really not about, hey, mate, stop jumping around, stop barking, stop doing that. It's let's concentrate. Instead, we need to concentrate on what it is we, we need to identify and concentrate on teaching what it is we prefer. So really emphasizing like, okay, I want my dog to be laying down. Let's say being really specific, I want my dog to be laying down on this mat or I want my dog to be uh, looking at me or I want my dog to be sat down and on his station or I want my dog to be 
chewing his toy. Now, that's where, the, you know, if we tie all this together, we've identified what it is we don't want. And that's all of the behaviours coming out that we don't want. We've identified what we do want, so we can be really clear and objective with that. And then we play around with those three variables, the distance, the distraction, and the duration, to make that possible and achievable. If we're putting too much pressure on the dog, the most important thing is that we don't hold the dog accountable. We hold ourselves accountable and we adjust the environment appropriately. So we don't try to control the dog's behaviour, we try to control the environment. This is the one thing that we are in control of at the end of the day, is our own behaviour and our own behaviour can only manipulate the environment. So let's flip it for a second. Let's flip it back to the other end of that, the other side of that coin, where now we've got the dog that is you know, sh reserved, showing very few behaviours. And again, the first thing we look at is what's the emotional state of the dog? Why are they offering the behaviors they're offering why are they where's the why aren't there very many behaviors being offered so it could be that the dog is really uncomfortable really stressed um really worried really concerned is it because it's a new scary thing and they're just safety first if i just stay quiet then maybe i won't get noticed and maybe that's their way of just taking stock and observing you know, are they in a seeking frame of mind? I'm not, you know, am I not sure? Am I going, I just need to watch this for a second and smell this for a second and hear this for a second so that I can gather as much information as possible on this, come to terms with it before I feel more comfortable around it, whatever it may be. Is it because they're scared of us? You know, if we've used punishment and correction in the past, you know, leash pops and check chains or whatever it might be, prong collars, anything to suppress behavior in the past. Are we watching a dog that isn't offering a lot of behavior because they're scared of the consequences that we might administer? If that's the case, then that's, again, that's one of the reasons why we don't condone and use punishment as a training method because, well, that dog still might not feel comfortable around that stimulus, but... I might feel very, 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 very uncomfortable around whatever it is that we've exposed them to. But we could very easily get tricked into thinking, oh, they're fine because they're being good just because they're offering an absence of behavior, which would be really inaccurate in that in that context and scenario, wouldn't it? Are we seeing an absence of behavior purely because of social um, or na naivety? You know, maybe there's just inexperience here and the dog is just looking at this situation going, I, I actually don't know what to do. So we might see some quite cautious behaviour. There's a few takes on this and like how we might approach it. So first of all, again, if the dog needs to process, let's take that one for a second. So we've got a situation where the dog is just offering very little, but it's just taking his time. It can feel so easy to want to rush this in my experience i've seen a lot of people i've been guilty of it myself where they're like come on come on mate let's do it come on you can do it come on i'm not saying don't do this but it wouldn't be my first port of call the first thing i want to do is just give my dog the autonomy to and opportunity to really explore on his own accord 
This is where managing the environment and what he has access to to get himself into mischief is really important. Don't let your dog go off and explore if there's a really high chance of him doing something you don't want, causing injury, physical or mental, to another. Of course, like, we've got to be sensible with this, but that's why we have to take ownership of where we let our dogs off leash and where we let our dogs go off and explore on their own volition. But that would be my first kind of, okay, right, can you take your time and go and explore? And if it means that you sit there and observe it for however long you need, that could be quite some time, minutes, an hour maybe, who knows? If that's what they need, these brains, they're learning, they're processing, and it's not necessarily about this particular time. It's about next time you bring them to a similar or the same situation. Will they want to come back? And if we rush it, then what we might see is the dog do all the things that you wanted to see, but never actually come to terms uh, with actually being there or feeling comfortable about being there. So affording our dogs the opportunity to think, process, digest, reflect, and then move on will really help our dogs learn and grow in confidence in the situations. If we're seeing a dog that really, really is within its shell, and you can see at this point we're probably looking at a dog that isn't very comfortable in emotionally. You know, if we've got a dog that is just watchful, but just watchful, not necessarily stressed out about it. That's fine. Again, like if I'm just seeing a dog, just seeing there happily kind of process it, I'm going to let them process, right? As long as, again, I'm looking at that emotional state of the dog, I'm like, you don't need to be bouncing around to be happy. You can just, if if you're comfortable sitting there, taking it all in, you might find, uh, I don't want to breed uh, stereotype too much here, but Things like, um, or breeds like uh, mastiffs that take stock. They typically, a lot of them, not all of them, but they'll take stock of a situation. They just need a moment to process. Even some bulldogs can be the same. But again, I'm sure right now I've got mastiff and bulldog people going, no, mine doesn't do that. Fantastic. That's great. Um, But a lot do. (laughs) Okay. Um, A lot of, and, and some, and it doesn't matter about, like it's all a lot all breeds have got the potential to go either way on this and this is what uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm making this episode is so that because it's the first thing we need to judge regardless of what we thought we were going to get it's reading the dog in the situation at the end of the day so but when we've got the dog that's reserved um but we can see then it's actually reserved because it's not in a good emotional place so we've got the dog showing very few behavior because it is nervous, scared, fearful, anxious, overwhelmed. Then we go back to our three Ds. It's really that simple. We can, again, reduce the intensity of the distraction. Can we ask it to slow down? Can we quiet the noise down? Can we make it more intermittent with longer pauses? You know, all of these things, they can help reduce the intensity of the distraction. Can we increase speed, uh, space, sorry. Can we increase the distance between the dog and the distraction so that, yeah, it's on the peripherals, but it's 
not the primary thing in their environment. You know, maybe giving the dog the opportunity to sniff around and snuff for some for some food with the distraction, whatever it may be, in the peripheral vision. Um, so we can start asking for more, a few more movements, like you know, just some forward movement and sniffing and foraging, not necessarily obedience work when we're asking them to look at us, but more hey, if you put your nose down and sniff that bush, you might find a treat. And also that thing over there is quite scary. Uh, That scary thing over there is also there, but that repetition of uh, well under threshold, you can start to build confidence in offering more behaviours around that situation and stimulus. And duration again, keep it short. You know, if if it means pulling out and going, okay, we're going to, the, the shit was hitting the fan there, and so we're just gonna just gonna abort this situation and come back another day. Really good tip, really helpful tip. It, but one on that is, yeah, absolutely, you do not need to end on a good night. Just if it's going to shit, leave. You can very quickly tell oh, this is going crap. Like just just leave. Don't owe it to anybody. Just just go. It's okay. You can try again another day. You'll do more harm keeping them around it, hoping it goes well when it's going to shit, um, because you just compound the leg- negative learn association so leave come back another day and aim for a really short duration at a big distance and so we see that we let the dog see it from afar look at it it's under low intensity and then we leave after well before the dog starts to get uncomfortable and repeat later and again later means in five minutes in ten minutes in one day in two weeks with whatever variable you and your if you've got professional help, your professional is giving you guidance on at that time for your specific training plan. We will often see changes in the emotional state when our dogs are going through either one of these, uh, whichever end of the scale they sit at. So we see dogs sometimes go from being extremely boisterous and rowdy to suddenly getting spooked and then sh- shutting down. Because if we let them carry, it's the, it's the emotional state that they were in in the first place. If they were over aroused, overstimulated, then the nervous system was firing and they're going to be prone to being spooked more easily because their nervous system was firing. Their adrenal system was taking over their rational brain and it only takes a slight incident for them to go, oh crap, oh no, what happened then? And all of a sudden that emotional space changes. So the same can be said if we've got a dog uh, that's showing those reserve behaviours and starts to offer a few and then all of a sudden they start to snowball and we go from zero to 100. Again, it's, it's always when we've got these situations, what we're trying to aim for is this middle ground. You know, going back to we don't want high energy or high extremes of emotional states in either context, really. Like the middle baseline is the healthy one. It's the one where we go, right, yes, that's where you're at. That's it's awesome. That's where you feel really, really comfortable in your own skin. We can make a conscious effort that our demeanor is controlled and measured, like pleasant, happy, but it doesn't have to be Christmas and it certainly shouldn't be punitive. You know, it, getting that mi- middle ground on our own emotional state so that we can co-regulate with them. Uh, can be really important. So a few things to think about there, guys. I hope you found this informa- uh, this episode helpful. 
If you've got any feedback, let me know. Let's get in touch. You can find me, Ian underscore Shivers underscore Dog underscore Advocate on Instagram. And uh, yeah, send me a message. Hopefully I'll see you there. Have a good day. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.